Welcome back to the Bad Crypto Podcast. Once again, I'm Casey Com, And I'm Travis Nakamoto. And we're here for part two of the Top 10 Crypto Countdown, featuring the biggest cryptocurrencies in the world. The official CoinMarketCap.com site says these are the coins and tokens with the largest market capitalization and that crypto enthusiasts are investing in. In episode 129, we counted down coins number 10 through number 6. And today, we'll continue the countdown with numbers 5 through 1. The countdown begins right now. It's episode number 132 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. And welcome back again, ladies and gentlemen, to the Top 10 Cryptocurrency Countdown here on the Bad Crypto Podcast. I'm Casey Com, And I'm Travis Kasem. And together, we're talking about cryptos. We're counting them down from America's and the whole world's top 40. But we're not doing 40. We're doing 10. But we're not doing doing 10. We're doing 5 today. Because we already did 5. And in the previous episode, we covered... A quick recap, number 10, IOTA, number 9, Tron, number 8, Stellar, number 7, Cardano, and number 6, Bitcoin's little brother, Litecoin. Our our guests have been wondering, what is number 5? I mean, they don't have access to CoinMarketCap here in in, uh, common Travis land, so we're going to go ahead and break it down for them. And coming in at number five is the Silky Smooth with the Stacks of Wax, EOS. <laughs> EOS. Yeah, you know, by the time this uh, airs, they're getting ready for their, their mainnet to roll out, right? Isn't June 1st going to be, you know, the, the it's the end of the ICO, the, the year-long ICO. And uh, stuff is, is, you know maybe really get ready to heat up so so what the heck is this eos thing because it's been called the ethereum killer or ethereum on steroids it has been called ethereum on steroids eos now who knows if that's exactly what it means they've never actually told us what it means but i do think mr joel common you hit it right on the head at the end of may once they stop their year-long ico this is when we're going to start seeing EOS, EOS take off. Now, we did see EOS take off to $24, $25 almost, and I thought that was way too soon for it to pop out with it not having their main net release, but it did. And it's still sitting in the firmly, sitting firmly in the top five right now. Uh, currently, as at the time of recording, it has a market cap of, of $12 billion, uh, actually Twelve billion one hundred thirty-five million six hundred sixty-two thousand nine hundred and eighty dollars. It is coming in at thirteen dollars and ninety-seven cents, which that's still ten dollars off the all-time high. So there could be some opportunities in that, there, Mister Jokam. The the company behind EOS, the venture capitalist, is Block One. Block dot one, and they have committed investing over a billion dollars 
into funds that are focused on the growth of the EOS uh, system. And, and so what this is, and we've got some great links for you in the show notes that really break it down. This link on Steemit from Crypto Freedom says that it is a smart contract platform without transaction costs or the need for gas to offer proper incentive to DAP developers. It's an ownership model that they believe is more efficient than a rental model in terms of the entitlement from staking your tokens. So that is a take, you know, it's, it's a much different approach than how Ether's doing that, right? Ether has gas and uh, coincidentally, NEO also has gas. And so both of those, you know, they, they cost when you want to do these transactions. And it looks like with EOS, they're having a different model in that. And so, you know, if you look at, we've talked about it several times, blocktivity.info. It's a website that gauges uh, the maximum traffic that you can have or the current traffic that's on these various different blockchain platforms. And near the top, most all the time is Steam with more transactions than any other blockchain. And it's only, it's using less than like, at all times, I've never seen it use more than 5% of its bandwidth or its, uh, you know, its blockchain uh, capacity. And so, you know, Steam, uh, BitShares, and EOS are all created by the same guy, Dan Larimer, as the architect for those platforms. And so uh, that's one thing that I've always thought that EOS is going to take off because this guy has learned some things from creating two other ones. And then to take those learnings and then apply some Ethereum type stuff into the mix, I think EOS is going to be very, very special. Yeah, there's a, um, a difference in the design philosophy between EOS and Ethereum, Ethereum, which you'll probably be hearing about shortly as we count down the remaining. We don't want to spoil it. Yeah. We don't want to spoil the top. Spoiler two. alert. It's not like Casey Case from Stop 40 where, you know, uh, uh, the songs moved so much every week. You know, it'd be a different song at number one sometimes or yeah. hanging in there for 30 weeks now. Michael Jackson's thriller, um, you know, the, the cryptos, when one overtakes another, it's a big deal. Yeah. Hanging in there for uh, every week since the beginning of time. Bitcoin. <laughs> Shocker. So this other article on Steam says that the Ethereum network could be described as application agnostic. It's a neutral platform for all potential applications. In fact, in their design rationale on GitHub, in the document, it says Ethereum has no features refusing to build in even very common high-level use cases as intrinsic parts of the protocol. Um, the idea is to reduce bloat among different applications, but it also requires many different applications to reuse the same code and, and so on. But EOS, Mr. Travis Wright, has a different approach. Yeah, so EOS, they actually take a different approach, and uh, they recognize that many different applications, they require, uh, you know, similar types of functionalities. And so to uh, provide these functions, such as implementations of the, of the cryptography, the app blockchain communication tools, uh, that's needed by many different applications. And EOS is going to feature the introduction of generalized role-based permissions they also have a web toolkit for interface development, self-describing interfaces, self-describing database schemes, and a declarative permission scheme. I declare this is a permission scheme. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means either. There's lots of schemes in there, but it's not a pyramid scheme as far as we can tell. 
So, uh, but it, what it seems like is EOS is designed to empower developers in a, a more customizable way. Uh, they are using delegated proof of stake as their consensus mechanism. And Ethereum is proof of work, but, you know, we've talked about in recent episodes that Vitalik intends to transition to, uh, to proof of stake, um, proof of work hybrid. Now, we've seen some of the, the, uh, short Shortcomings of Ethereum, right? Remember, you know, when CryptoKitties came out, uh, it just about killed and clogged up the Ethereum network. Things were really slow. Right, really slow. Well, if you look again, like at Blocktivity, and it was showing in some cases 150% of capacity. So there was so many transactions just waiting to get on Ethereum. And that was at the same time where Bitcoin price was, you know, $18,000, $19,000 in the the transaction fees were 30 something dollars and taken forever to, to, to transact. And uh, so they realized that there are some challenges within that Ethereum network. So EOS has this uh, mechanism in place that uh, can basically help it scale more effectively. And the, uh, the consensus mechanism that it has and their governance mechanism uh, allows it to be quicker. Uh, and at least that's what they're saying. And it allows them to scale larger and so I think, you know, it's quite possible that EOS could be, a, you know, a very strong competitor against Ethereum. Living large. And in full disclosure, both Mr. Travis Wright and I have um, have owned some EOS uh, for quite some time. U.S. citizens are, aren't able to participate in the ICO, which has been one of the most unusual ICOs. Um, they've raised how much money from this thing? Because they did 200 million tokens in the initial the first day and then it's like two million a day for 300 days is that accurate yeah well right now they have 868 million eos in circulation mm -hmm. yeah i think when it's all said and done there's going to be close to a billion um one billion is that the, is that the final number a billion uh, i don't know i'm bad but um yeah so anyway it's definitely something that we're keeping our eye on. There's also one other little piece of information I think is important that those that are holding EOS tokens, they need to transition. They need to be swapped out for the actual EOS tokens. Like right now, they're ERC-20 tokens, right? Because people would purchase them with Ethereum. Uh, but mm -hmm. there's actually a process for making sure your tokens are registered so that um, you'll actually have those tokens. So I think I have MetaMask. I think mine are already, since I've had MetaMask and I've been transferring back and forth through MetaMask, I think the mine are already squared away. All right. Well, there you go. Check the show notes if you need to know how that works. And I'm going to break it down real quick. So what you do is you want to install the MetaMask Chrome extension. Then you want to open up the EOS token distribution app, which is on their website. And you can see a lot of this at eos.io forward slash instructions but there are some other things in our show notes where you're going to want to do that uh to, to do this because you have to generate an eos key and uh then back up your private key and copy and paste some stuff but uh go through that in the show notes where it says how to register eos tokens easily it's a steam it post and then i think joel posted a reddit post in there as well but that ensures that uh you are getting in the eos system and uh, we'll get your eos tokens distributed to you And coming in at number four, the favorite of one Mr. Roger Veer, Bitcoin Cash, BCH, is the symbol with a market cap of how much, Mr. Travis Wright? 
Uh, the market cap of B Cash is $22 billion, $288 million. And they have a circulation supply right now of 17 million tokens. And that has been an interesting coin, man, because you know that like in, uh, in the big rush of back in the big rush of January 2018, I mean, that thing got up to like $3,800. Yeah. yeah, it did. $3,900. Bitcoin Cash is a Bitcoin fork that was created by those that were, that believe that there should be bigger blocks for um, a mass adopted payment system so that it could, you know, because Bitcoin is, is notoriously slow. And I say slow, you know, um, it, it's slow in a microwave society, right? Uh, but, you know, compared to like writing a check or, you know, Western Union or, or other old school transactions, it's still super fast just in relation to um, what other cryptos can do. And so mid 2017, this fork happened and it was very controversial then. It's still controversial now. Yeah. And, you know, they just actually had a had a new fork that happened recently and they grew the block size from the eight megabytes to the 32 megabytes per block. And so that's going to allow for vastly more transactions. Did that actually create a new Bitcoin cash? I think it was a hard fork. So it did it. Did it create a new one? I don't know. But if it did, it's not in the top 10 and not relevant to this particular episode. Oh, yeah, Bitcoin. They're calling it Bitcoin ABC. Is that what they're calling it? That may be true. Now, you know, here's the thing. There is this big debate uh, amongst Bitcoiners. And those that are in favor of big blocks say that there's two main benefits for that, more transactions per minute and lower transaction fees. But the people who, who dispute that say increasing the block size limit is unimaginative, offers temporary relief, and damages decentralization by increasing costs of participation. And uh, that is actually not the most controversial part of Bitcoin Cash, is it? Well, one of the challenges that I've always had with it is the fact that Bitcoin.com is owned by Roger Ver. At Bitcoin on Twitter is owned by somebody who is Bcash friendly. And so what they're doing is they're calling Bitcoin Cash actual Bitcoin, and they're calling Bitcoin Bitcoin Core. And they're trying to confuse and muddy the waters, in my estimation. And here's the thing. I think that this is just such, you know, I think maybe their hearts are in the right place because they think that Bitcoin is being taken over by, you know, people who are censoring on Reddit and all this. Stuff. So there's, there's these arguments, this backstory that you can go into and you can come to the conclusion how the Bitcoin cash people say that they think that's the real Bitcoin and that's more close to Satoshi's vision and blah, blah, blah. But the way that they're muddying the waters and that they are saying Bitcoin.com is they're saying Bitcoin Cash is Bitcoin and Bitcoin.com calls it Bitcoin.com has a wallet. Bitcoin is they're calling that Bitcoin Cash. I mean, it's confusing, especially the noobs who have no idea on what this is. They are confusing things and making it challenging for people to adopt it because they don't know which one's Bitcoin. Am I buying the wrong Bitcoin? Guess what? I don't understand it. I'm scared. I'm not. It, it's a philosophical one. debate because uh, Roger and Big Blockers say that Bitcoin Cash is the original Bitcoin, and it's true. Uh, the fork that they had for Bitcoin Cash is the only Bitcoin that stays true to Satoshi Nakamoto's 
white paper. Uh, but, you know, to me, it's kind of like re- it has to have a different name because you're redefining terms. You can't fork from Bitcoin and say this is the original Bitcoin. So I'm glad they call it uh, Bitcoin Cash. Uh, if you call it Bcash, you'll offend some of the uh, the the BCHers. But some people might even flip yeah, you off. Like as Roger did. And, uh, we've had Roger on the show very early in the podcast. If you'll go back to, uh, you know, probably somewhere in the 20s, I want to say, episode, uh, we had an interesting interview with Roger. And one of the things that I want to do, Travis, we've talked about this for some time, is I want to for us to host a debate here on Bad Crypto between a Bitcoiner and a Bitcoin casher. And we moderate it. And because I don't even understand all the, you know, the intricacies of this. And so I lean a little bit towards traditional Bitcoin because Bitcoin Cash is so controversial, but I'm open to trying to understand. My problem is with the marketing of it, of calling Bitcoin.com the actual Bitcoin. That's where the challenge, because actually the website's BitcoinCash.org. And you know what? That's where like lightning comes into play and some of these other solutions have come into play that allows you to sort of have a scaling block size, essentially, because you can just keep the main size on like as what they've done with block with uh, with Bitcoin. They've had the main. Well, I think now it's a two megabyte block. They bumped it up to two megabytes. But let's say there's 10 megabytes worth of information. From what I understand, lightning allows you to sort of run a parallel concurrent layer on top of it, which then it handles those transactions for us or whatever. So all of that's not on the block. So you can kind of see how people from Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin.com or Bitcoin. So see how confusing that is? Uh, well, anyway, uh, it should be interesting. It should definitely, the way that this thing's going to pan out, we're going to have to keep an eye on it. Number four, Bitcoin Cash. And speaking of controversial... And coming in at number three, perhaps a token that is even more controversial than Bitcoin Cash, it's the symbol XRP known as Ripple. Ripple. Now, Ripple is the company and XRP is the cryptocurrency and uh, they've built it for enterprise use. It is mostly centralized, right? This is not really a decentralized cryptocurrency. This is a privately held business, right? Ripple owns most of the XRP that are in existence. They've just not been released, but XRP allows uh, banks and payment providers a reliable on-demand option uh, to source liquidity for cross-payment from cross-border payments. Yeah. Very fast, very cheap. And, you know, in relation, very centralized. And uh, it it focuses really heavily on these trusted third parties. And they're working with a lot of the big enterprise banks. Very centralized. That's one of the big disputes here. Now, we had the opportunity to interview the CEO of Ripple, uh, Mr. Brad Garlinghouse, back in January of 2018. It's episode number 67 of the show. It was a very popular episode, badco.in forward slash 067. And he helped clear this up. And I want to revisit this, that there's a difference between, as Travis said, Ripple is a company and the coin XRP. The, the currency is is actually called XRP. You can't actually buy a hundred Ripple. You could buy XRP. Uh, Ripple Labs created the Ripple platform, and this is a real-time gross settlement system. Gross. A currency exchange yeah. and a remittance. 
network. XRP is the native currency of the Ripple network, and it's the only native digital asset within the Ripple network. So users of the Ripple network are not required to use XRP as a store of value or a medium of exchange and usually don't. However, each Ripple account is required to have a small reserve of 20 XRP as an anti-spam measure. So you can create other currencies in the Ripple network. Mm-hmm. Yep, and uh, here's some interesting facts about the Ripples. 100 billion XRP was created when Ripple was created, so there'll be no more uh, allowed to be created according to the protocol. And uh, Ripple was definitely one of the top performing cryptos in 2017. My gosh, that thing was up over 35,000% for the year. I mean, if you invested in the Ripple... That wow. was, yeah, that yeah. was at the, at the wow. beginning. So the, the goal here is so that banks uh, and financial institutions can have super fast settlements with one another. Yep. And you know what? Because you, we've talked about this many times in the past, like how expensive and how long does it take for banks to do some of these to, to settle on their remittances, the remittances? And how, how long does it take for your pending credit card transactions or debit card transactions to literally clear the bank? right? It's at least 48 hours in most cases for those things. They'll take that money out of your account so you don't have access to it, but it still says pending. And that thing is not closed for 48 to 72 hours typically on your regular transactions. And if you think of it from that perspective, crypto is light years faster than traditional. It's just, you know, what's so controversial about it is that it is highly centralized. You know, one of the spirit of Satoshi Nakamoto's white paper for crypto was decentralization. And this is really just owned by, you know, Ripple, the Ripple platforms owned by Ripple Labs. And how much do the the owners have of XRP? Um, you know, last I checked, I think it was like 60 percent, something like so that. A lot is the technical term we yep. were we were going for there. So coming in at number three, XRP Ripple. Number two, uh, there's no question who number two is, right? We know, we pretty much all know who number one is. Uh, number two is Ethereum, and Ethereum is ETH, and created by super Russian wonder boy Vitalik Buterin. This kid was so young, and he understands blockchain and the cryptos at such a level. And the dude's not even, oh, is he 23 now, maybe 24? He's, he's, he's 24 now. He's born in 1994. He's Russian-Canadian. So he's like, uh, uh, good day, eh, comrade. <laughs> you forgot, you you need a special took to have there in Canada. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was just, just a punk kid uh, when he coded this. Super Super smart. He came over to uh, Canada, immigrated with his parents when he was six years old. So he's been pretty much raised in Canada, but still his the the Russian blood running through me. He may hack your election. Um, So Ethereum, open source, decentralized blockchain based network, uh, which you have Ether. And then you can also have these ERC-20, these Ethereum based tokens. But you don't have to have just ERC-20. There's like ERC, and there's several other different ERC types of tokens, which uh, are interesting. But you've heard of the ERC tokens. That That is what most ICOs are built on, is Ethereum. 
Mm-hmm. Ethereum is the network that it's that uh, is built on an ether or eth eth is the token that is used to pay for services. Here's the thing about Ethereum. We, you know, we've interviewed a lot of ICOs that are building their coins or tokens on the Ethereum network. Those are the ERC 20s. And that's because Ethereum offers something that Bitcoin did not. Bitcoin is simply a, a payment, a source of paying, you know, making transactions. All you can do with Bitcoin is just like, you know, here's a dollar, here's a dollar. That's all that dollar does is a transfer of wealth. But Ethereum brought smart contracts into the realm of cryptocurrency. So, you know, if you want to think of smart contracts, and and we've talked about this at length, but there's a great link here on blockgeeks.com that'll be in the, uh, the show notes, is that smart contracts help you exchange money property, shares, anything of value in a transparent, conflict-free way while avoiding a middleman. So it's, you know, if this, then that. So one of the things that's really interesting about Ethereum is, as Joel had mentioned, the smart contracts. So smart contracts are things that allow you to do things on top of uh, this blockchain platform and allows you to execute on, you know, if this if this, then that, right? And let's say, when job done, pay out money, right? So you can do these smart contracts. And back in 1994, Nick Zabo, who is one of the original cypherpunks and cryptographer, he's one of the people who uh, many people think might be Satoshi Nakamoto. He did write an interesting uh, white paper back in the day called um, something, ca- something cash, gold cash, ca- digital gold or something. I don't remember what, what, what his white paper was, but... It, it was not actually referenced in Satoshi Nakamoto's white paper, although a lot of the terms that was said within Nick Zabo's original paper, BitGold, I think it was called BitGold, was what it was called. And, um, yeah, so there's a lot of inference in there that, wow, it could be Zabo. But uh, so he realized, Nick Zabo back in 94 said, back when uh, Vitalik was born, apparently, uh, realized that the decentralized ledger could be used for smart contracts and have these self-executing contracts or digital contracts that could be these contracts that could be converted into computer code, stored, replicated, and then supervised by a network of computers that run this this platform, right, which became the blockchain. And so this layer of smart contracts allows these executing contracts, digital code, computer code, to be placed inside the blockchain to then legally transfer money based on various different actions that have been completed. There's been so many tokens that have been built on Ethereum now. There's a circulating supply of 99.5 million ETH and change. There's a market cap of about 72 billion, and it's gone on a wild ride. If you look at the charts back to around this time uh, a year ago, it was around 90 to $100. Just a short time before that, it was like $10. It shot up during the big rise in January of 2018 to almost $1,400, dropped back down to under 400 and is currently sitting uh, around $700 or so. If you like crypto, I feel bad for you, son. I got 99 cryptos and an ETH ain't one. <laughs> so number two, Ethereum. And coming in at number one, it's a big shocker. It's been the favorite on the dance card for a number of years now. Will it be replaced soon? We don't know, but let's find out what it is. It's Bitcoin. 
All right, and that's and that's the show. Stay back. <laughs> Bitcoin, the the granddaddy, the father of all cryptocurrencies, and uh, been around. You know, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto uh, released his white paper and open source code what was it January two thousand nine. You can still just. Uh, I think we've got a link to the white paper in the uh, the show notes. Uh, Bitcoin.org is the site bitcoin.org forward slash bitcoin.pdf is the original white paper and this was the very first decentralized digital currency created by maybe nick zabo we don't know but it was created by either a person or persons under the name satoshi nakamoto yeah you know there's been many different concepts uh, or theories or hypothesis of who it might be zabo makes sense how finney received the first transaction that shows that it might have been him. Could have been the NSA. There's some conversations that's happened around that. There's conversations that it could be various different intelligence agencies from around the world. Maybe this is the the, the world crypto reserve currency later on down the road. Uh, who, maybe this is the one world currency. Who knows? Uh, but cryptocurrency and digital money is obviously the evolution of money. And Bitcoin is... You know, the, the, the guy sitting at the top of the heap now, maybe he's not a guy, right? Uh, that's kind of general. Don't be, gender, so, don't be not, so general. Yeah. Don't be so general. So, you neutral. know. It's like gender neutral all in one word, general. January 1st, 2017, Bitcoin was sitting at around $1,000. And you and I really started going down the rabbit hole last spring, about a year ago, uh, when I actually invested a little bit. I mean, very little initially, dipping my toe in Bitcoin was around $2,000. And then bad crypto came along and Bitcoin went up to $20,000. There's no correlation there whatsoever, but I I do think it's funny. I do think it's the probably the cause of it. More people were like, oh, my God, Travis and Joel are finally in crypto. Right. Now we can get in. Right. And there was all of this hype. You know, finally, you would you couldn't avoid the news or, you know, friends talking about Bitcoin, Bitcoin. And this thing shot up. Like if I look at this here, November 11th, Bitcoin was six thousand one hundred and seventy. And two months later, no, a month later, December 16th, 19,500. Hundred today, Bitcoin had a healthy pullback, uh, sitting at eighty five hundred. Which means, if you had bought Bitcoin a year ago, let's see, May, there we go, at two thousand, you'd be sitting at a four X right now. Even after this crazy ride, you would still have had a four hundred percent increase. So it's all relative, right? It's all based on when. You got in. So if they go, oh, my God, crypto's down so much. Well, if you bought Bitcoin at 19000 you're not happy, right? If you bought at any price lower than 8500 right now, you're still sitting pretty. And a lot of people did. And a lot of people who did, well, once it went over those certain prices, those are the ones who sold and who made a whole lot of money. Now, uh, the we're not in the end game yet by any stretch of the imagination. There's not even 1% of the people in the world have cryptocurrency yet. Mm-hmm. Well, it's still very, very early. And because of that, that's why we have predictions from people like John McAfee and, uh, you know, Tim Draper, um, Ronnie Moas and many others who have given predictions of Bitcoin going any, you know, in the next couple of years, anywhere from a hundred thousand to a million dollars per Bitcoin. And that's because when you understand the math behind this, there are 
you know, how many trillions of, you know, dollars in fiat currency that are out there and the Federal Reserve and other fiat, you know, oriented countries, they just print more of the stuff. They just it just comes off the press just put more into um, into circulation. But Bitcoin, the beauty of this is that there's only 21 million ever maximum supply to um, to be in circulation. They, they can't make ever. more ever. And there's 17 million uh, in supply right now. And that last Bitcoin won't be mined until 120 years from now. So that's, that's pretty crazy to think about that. So it's going to take another 120 years to mine these last four Bitcoin. And I've always had thoughts about this. It's like, you know what? Bitcoin is a really interesting protocol. They're building upon it. Other people are building, you know, platforms like EOS and some of these other ones that are popping up. And so I go, you know, it's a quite possible. I don't know if it's probable, but it's possible that uh, Bitcoin could be the MySpace of cryptocurrencies. I've said that. Um, but as we see this thing evolving and, and moving forward and more banks and more financial institutions that are taking on uh, Bitcoin and saying that, you know, it's a, a great solution. And you have people like Jack Dorsey of Square and Twitter out there saying that they can see this becoming the world, you know, uh, reserve currency down the road, et cetera, et cetera. Bitcoin looks to me to have a pretty bright future. Now, uh, how far is it going to go? Who knows? Is it going to hit a million? Who knows? Is it going to hit 100,000? We don't know. But, you know, we can keep an eye on the, the technical analysis. Technical analysis shows that quite potentially it's going to drop a little bit farther before it, it takes up and goes back up over its all-time high. So, you know what? It's going to be interesting to watch and see where it all goes. Yeah, it, you Powell. and I are both holding a few Satoshis, and uh, I'm I'm banking on Bitcoin. My personal, you know, I'm not a financial advisor. This is uh, my bet, and I'm betting uh, that which I can afford to lose. And, of course, you should never invest uh, based on anything that you hear on Bad Crypto Podcast. You should do your own research, and you should never invest in anything that, you know, you can't, you can't afford to lose, that there's some serious problems with Bitcoin. There's some serious manipulation, um, you know, in Bitcoin. In fact, we're going to be talking to Mr. Ronnie Moas here in uh, in a very soon to broadcast episode about market manipulation on Bitcoin. In fact, I think he might be revising some of his estimates just a bit based on some of the things that are happening in the market. Very interesting. I, I love it when Mr. when Mr. Ronnie Moas comes onto the show because you know that a lot of what he says is going to be pretty serious, straightforward. He's going to say a couple of jokes that you don't even know are jokes because you can't quite tell because of the way his humor is. And he'll probably rant a little bit. And then he'll also call you all names for not, in, you know, uh, donating enough to his charity. So it should be fun to see which Ronnie Moas we get. Number one, Bitcoin. And that's going to wrap up our top 10 crypto market cap tokens here on the Bad Crypto Podcast. But, you know, we want to hear from you guys still because we've got our talking tokens episode that's coming up talking tokens <laughs> with Travis talking tokens <laughs> with Travis and Joe's 
<laughs> so if you haven't written us or called us yet, this is your opportunity. So many of you in the mastermind and the telegram group are like, why don't you ever talk about <laughs> not that you all sound whiny like that, but sometimes it, it a lot of them, so, a, lot, a lot of them when they go, how can we ever talk about Iota? <laughs> my token, we finally talked about Iota. Okay. We finally talked about Cardano in the, in the previous, uh, top 10 crypto countdown episode. So there, that should, uh, you know, now we all know more because I didn't know until I, I heard that episode myself. But um, write us, badcryptopodcast at gmail.com or go to the website at badcryptopodcast.com forward slash contact or click the link or call us at... Call us at 708-885-9030. I'm Satoshi Kasem. <laughs> no, you're not. You're Mr. Travis, right? <laughs> call us. Uh, Why are you calling me out like that? I'm... Casey Nakamoto. Call us because we want to hear the sound of your voice and give us 30 to 60 seconds. Okay, most. Don't go, don't ramble on. But we want you to be on the show and call us and say, hey, I'm such and such from blabbity blah. My token is yada yada. And then tell us why you like that token so we can put you on the. Now, is it, what, about, what about some of these 10 that we've already gone over here? Are they. There's no point in that. Tell us about other tokens, whether they're, you know, a high in the market cap or whether they're unheard of. Let us know the token or currency that you like and why. And uh, we'll have the talking tokens show up soon. And uh, many of you will become bad crypto celebrities. Mm. Crypto celebrities. Talking tokens with Travis and Joe's. Thanks for listening to Bad Crypto Podcast. Please, please, please. When I say please, I'm actually asking for you to take action. Subscribe to the show. Click the subscribe button wherever you are. It makes a huge difference for us. Download the episodes, listen to them, and tell a friend about Bad Crypto Podcast. And we'll catch you guys next time. Mr. Satoshi Kasem, what should they do? You should listen to Bad Crypto. Subscribe. Grab your friend's phone and subscribe on their phone and stay back. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor.